And so, Jesus, we're, we're grateful for the cleansing power of the blood. Nothing can make us feel right except for what you did for us. We're thankful for the holiness that we possess in Christ because of what he did. And we stand in it, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. And we pray in your name. Amen. Well, let's hear the, the reading of Scripture and the story of Jesus' death on, for, our, for our sin. I'm going to read out of Luke 22 and 23. It says, And he came out <clears throat> and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. When we look at the cross, it reminds us of how much our redemption costs. Jesus here is in the garden in agony. He's looking forward to what he's about to experience on the cross, the physical pain and torture of this human device. And yet, it wasn't the cross itself that was so fantastic. There have been thousands that have died, and yet, he was in tears with blood over what was going to happen. But it was also the spiritual nature of what he was going to endure. That he'd have the Father turn his back on him. That he would bear the wrath of God for our sins. You know, the Bible says he actually drank the cup of God's wrath and he drank it all the way to the bottom. This is what Jesus is agonizing about. And it reminds us that our sins... They're costly, and yet there was no other way for our sins to be paid for. See, we serve a holy God, and He is a just God. And at the cross, His justice and His love are going to meet. His justice demanded that penalty be paid for sin, and yet if penalty was just paid, then His love would not be seen, and so in the cross... God comes to save us also, so His justice and His love come together and that our sins had to be paid for in this way. There was no other way. And yet as we look at Jesus on the cross, God's only Son, God incarnate, we see exactly how much our sins cost. And while He was still speaking, there came a crowd. And the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? As we look at the cross tonight, we are reminded that we too have turned our backs on God. Judas betrayed Jesus under the influence of Satan. 
Peter would go on to deny him three times. As Jesus is charged with crimes he didn't do, the disciples would be scattered. Those who only a week ago were shouting, Hosanna, God save us, were now shouting, crucify him. We have all turned our backs on God. If we were there, we would have said the very same things. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 2, or Ephesians 2, 1-3 also says that we are dead in our sins. And we, like Judas, are following the demonic powers of the world, carrying out the passions of our flesh, and are deserving of wrath like all mankind. Psalm says there is none who does good, no one who seeks after God. We are all sinful. We have all betrayed God. Ask yourself tonight, where have you turned your back on God? When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council, and they said, if you are the Christ... Tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. When we look at the cross, we see that we reject God because of our hard hearts. Romans 1 tells us that we know the truth. What's evident about God and His Son is it's evident in creation. It's evident all around. And yet we hear the truth and we want to rebel. This has been the story of humanity since the garden. That given all the blessings of God, we tried to take them for ourselves, to take God off His throne and become our own gods, going our own way, to use His blessings for our benefit, to take the things that were His and use them selfishly for ourselves. In fact, we see here in this story that even the Pharisees, they had seen Jesus' miracles. They had heard His teachings. They knew exactly who He was, and yet they rejected Him. And we, just like them, do the very same thing. In fact, Colossians 1 tells us that Christ was the image of the invisible God, that all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. When you looked at Jesus, you saw God the Father, and he came to us in a person in his humanity so that we would knew who he was, and yet we took him and we said, no thank you, and put him on a cross. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. 
A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving of death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. And so Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they had asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. When we look at the cross tonight, we realize that an innocent man had to die so that we could go free. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Pilate declares Jesus is innocent. Everyone knows he is innocent. The Bible tells us that in Jesus' life, he never sinned. He was completely sinless. And, and he had to do this. He had to live a perfect life so that he would have righteousness to give us in exchange for our sin. This is what the Bible calls the great exchange where we take our sins to the cross and Jesus dies for those and in exchange we get his perfect life, his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Tonight, will you consider giving him your sin in exchange for his righteousness? And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. As we look at the cross tonight, you need to see that this is a monument of God's love towards you. That as we were hurling insults at Jesus on the cross, he was bleeding forgiveness out for us. God did not want to leave us in our sin, departed from him forever. Rather, he came running after us, making a way through the cross because he loved us. Listen. Church, God loves you. If you're a visitor here tonight, God loves you. This cross is about how much Jesus loves you. And you might say, well, how? God says, look at the cross. 1 John 1.10 says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die and be a propitiation for our sins. Listen, you are never too far away to experience God's love that comes to you in the cross. 
There's no sin that can keep you from God's love towards you. The cross says no matter what you have done, whatever situation you find yourself in, God went before you to purchase your salvation. He loves you. He wants to be a part of your life. And He wants to give you life from now and forevermore. So what would it take for you to turn to Him tonight? To experience God's love, maybe even for the first time. It was now about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. As we look at the cross tonight, we can remember that at the cross, our salvation is complete. In fact, as Jesus, uh, it was Jesus died, it said that the temple veil was torn from top to bottom, that God had torn this veil. God had made a way through the cross. There was nothing we could do. We couldn't pray enough, be on our knees enough, do enough works, reach up to God enough, yet God had reached down and sent His Son, and the veil reminds us that God had made a way. And we now have full access. That veil used to keep us from the Holy of Holies, from God's presence. God says, we're all now welcome in His presence because of the cross. You are welcome to come in and partake with God and all of His goodness. Paul tells us in Ephesians that it's by grace we've been saved, through faith. And this is not our own doing. It's the work of God. It's the gift of God in our life. And this is why Jesus can say, it is finished. I've accomplished your salvation. As we come to him at the cross, we can rest in the fact that he's accomplished it all. We get his righteousness. He takes our sin. There's nothing left for us to do other than follow him and give him our lives. And so the question for us tonight is, will we receive God's free gift of salvation that he is offering us? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. In fact, just two verses before that, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and He says, Just like the serpent that is raised up in the wilderness where all the people of Israel look to be healed, that Moses raised up, when Jesus is raised up on the cross, if you will look at Him and believe, you will be saved. This is the goodness of the cross. And so tonight I invite you, if you don't know Jesus, then I'd say come to the cross. The invitation is open. Come and confess Jesus as Lord. Confess your sins to Him. And He will say you are forgiven. You can be made new and clean and walk with Him forever. If you're here tonight and you do know Jesus, then let's celebrate what God has done on the cross. It is finished. He has made a way. We have communion with Him and hope for life now and forevermore. And I can guarantee if you follow Him, you will know so many blessings, so many graces, so many gifts 
and so much love. As John told us in John 1.29, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now we'll conclude our worship time by the reading of Isaiah 53. And I want us all to remember this is something that God revealed to the people of Israel almost a thousand years before Jesus walked on this earth. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors.